Hey guys, welcome back to Preview Alliance. This is Sarah. And Whitney. We are so excited about today. And we're going to talk about our inner child. Yes. I feel like this is something that prepares you for motherhood to even know about this topic. Agreed. Because motherhood, our journey to it, mm-hmm. pregnancy, postpartum, it will bring out our fears, our past mm-hmm. traumas, basically our attachments to things we didn't even know about. Absolutely. So you may be like, okay, what what is inner child? Yeah. So inner child is what we call, it is a modality that mm-hmm. we can utilize in therapy. And if you look it up on YouTube, you can look up inner child or internal family systems by Dr. Richard Schwartz. He is kind of the founder creator of this modality. And what it is, your therapist does a guided meditation with you. And during this time, your eyes are closed. So you're kind of having mental imagery. Okay. If you want to think about it like that. And during this, your inner child can be anywhere between like preschool, kindergarten age, could be like an older elementary school age, so maybe like eight or nine years old, could be preteen, it could be your high school version of you, could even be college version of you, but it is some younger version of you, a past version of you. And what you're doing is you're actually wanting to connect with that part of yourself. Okay. Because some of the things that we do, some of the things that we have a fear about as adults are rooted into our childhood. And we honestly don't understand that connection till we go through this. So it's like, I can relate to like, there was, so say if your dad left you Mm -hmm. or there was a super traumatic to you or yes. event, right, mm-hmm. in your life that happened, say, yeah. when you're, like, eight or nine, mm-hmm. and maybe you have a – you feel like people are always going to abandon you yeah. or leave you. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, now as an adult or a mom pregnant, yeah. and you have this fear. Yes. And you're, like, where, where is, where is coming, coming from? from? Why am I like this? Yeah. So when you're – and this is going to sound weird. So, listeners, I understand that this sounds a little out of the box. It's fine if you think that. But when you're talking to your inner child, you ask them, what are your needs? What's something that you really wish could or would happen for you? What is something I can do to help you? More often than not, a lot of times your inner child will tell you that they feel that they have a need for safety or security. Okay. Stability tends to be a big one. One with my inner child was predictability. Um, Another thing is loneliness. So often people are very, very lonely when they're children. It's like they have friends, but they don't have a very close friend. Or if their parents get divorced or, heaven forbid, their parents have passed away and now they're living with a relative or they're in foster care, you know, things of that nature, that's going to come up. Okay. So you ask your inner child, how can I provide that to you? So, for example, I never really thought of my childhood as traumatic. Me either, yeah. Like, my parents are still married. I I mean, I got spanked as a child when I disobeyed, but I was never beaten. Right. I was never yelled at. Things were never thrown at me. Things were never thrown in my house. So, again, I never felt like I had a traumatic childhood. So, looking back, you may be like, there wasn't anything that you oh, specifically sure. could say. Oh, yeah. This was part of my past, and I Absolutely. know this is why. Right. Yeah, I never can be like, oh, that was a traumatic event unless it was like an injury I got playing a sport. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? So nothing in my childhood just stuck out like a big old red flag. But when I did my inner child session, it talked about how it just really needed predictability and stability and that 
They just wanted to know where they were going to live. Well, lo and behold, my dad was a construction worker with a big company for the first several years of my childhood. We moved around quite a bit, and I can never keep it straight. It was either 10 times in 11 years or 11 times in 10 years. Wow, okay. It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot of moving at very, very young ages. And when I was about four years old, my parents built their first house. Before then, we had only had rental properties because we moved so frequently. And so I grew up in Alabaster from ages four to ten, and I loved it because it was predictable. It's because you you felt stability and safe. You knew what to do. Yeah, Yeah. I knew what school I was going to go to. I knew who my friends were. I knew what church we were going to be attending. I knew where home was. And kids thrive on routines, predictability. And kind of not that unknown is big to them. Absolutely. And so then when I was 10 years old, very long story short, some things happened. The neighborhood that my parents lived in got bought out by a corporation type thing. So then we moved to a different part of Alabama closer to my mom's parents, which my grandmother had been chronically sick kind of my whole life. And so that was part of the reason we moved up there. And so... The reason my inner child is like, I need to know where we're going to be. It's because we had moved around so much. Well, now as an adult, I will tell you, I may not love the house we live in, but I'll die before we move. So that... I hate moving with every fiber of my being. And I'm like, oh. This is why. That's why. It's not the inconvenience of moving. Yeah. It's not all the things that you have to do to get ready to sell your house and buy a house. I mean, that's annoying. Don't get me wrong. And it's overwhelming and stressful. Right. But for me to feel the way that I feel about it to this degree seems a a bit much. And did you ever notice yourself like being more controlling about certain things? Absolutely. So when you did this inner self, did you feel, when you bring yourself back to it, you're young Whitney Mm -hmm. and you're being told you have to move again or we're moving again. Did it it like, did you feel any like, I remember some of these events in my childhood. Again, nothing traumatic, but maybe embarrassing events, right? That kind of stands out. And it kind of like a burn in my chest a little bit. So. Even me thinking about those memories, did you, when you're doing that, did you feel a certain like body response when you were bringing yourself I, back? I did. Cause I can remember my inner child was more about like five or six years old. So at that point we had no idea that we would be moving yeah. a few years down the road. I didn't have a clue in the world about it. And I just remember her being like, I just don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. And it like, yes, that was my inner child. So it's like, that could mean a whole, it could mean anything. But for me, having the perspective that I have, I knew what it meant about moving. And that almost made my heart sink. Yeah, you feel it. Like you physically feel feel how that inner child in that moment. That sadness, that deepness of I don't want to have to uproot again. And And then as a kid, you don't like you don't know how to say, hey, mom, I'm feeling sick in my belly because of this or my chest is feeling tight. Children don't. We, yeah. You can't release it. You can't call it. You can't name it. Nope. And they say children are resilient. Children are adaptable. Yeah. And that is a trauma response. Yeah. Because it's hard looking back and you see your younger self and mm-hmm. you, like you said, you adapt, you learn how you to do. maybe just process it. Yeah. And then you look at yourself now, it's your adult, you're pregnant, you're have a baby, you have a toddler. Oh, yeah. And it comes up. It sure does. Because let me tell you, I have absolutely no desire 
to move my children around. I, do, I want them to be able to say, I've had some of the same friends since kindergarten. Yeah. When they graduate high school. Now I know when they go to college, that's just a totally different story. Life right. pretty much changes right. with your social circle yeah. once you go to college. But I don't want us to be like, okay, so next year you're going to be going to this school and it's halfway across the state or we're in a different state. I don't want that for them. Right. I want to be like, no, no, this is where we're going. Yeah. Like, we're staying here. Even if we move houses, like, this is. I'm, I want them in the same school system. Not because we have this just, like, incredible school system. It's because... That's what they know. It's what we know. Right. So what, when you did that inner self, inner child work, Mm -hmm. how did you feel after? I honestly felt, this is going to sound a little cliche and that's not my intention, but I felt kind of enlightened. Did you feel like lighter at all? I don't know if lighter is the right word. I felt like I was much more self-aware. Right. I felt like it helped me understand why I do the things that I do a little bit, why I feel so strongly about not wanting to move around with my kids. Yeah. And like the house that we're in is not our forever house, but whenever we do move. You're going to really prop your kids. Oh, we're going to prep our kids and we're going to try our darndest again to stay in the same area. Yeah. So what would you, what is some other, so yours was the moving. Mm -hmm. What's some other things you see in your clients and moms, I guess, That's like, they look back and it's like, maybe you do X and you, this would be kind of a spotlight to maybe they should explore the inner child. What is some? So I see frequently with the oldest child, how they wish that they could just be a kid. So just the freedom. The freedom to be the kid, not be a second parent, second or third parent, second mom. Or probably maybe be more playful. Yes. That's a big one. Um, because oftentimes, especially with older children, but not exclusively to that, they never felt like they really got to embrace their childhood. Yeah. They never felt like they had the freedom to just be a child 100% of the time. So how does that come out in motherhood? So this is going to sound a little weird. What I tell clients to do is if they have five minutes, even if they bring their kids out of the park and go get on a swing. And just play. And just play. Or go down a slide. Yeah. Play, let yourself loose a little bit. Give yourself permission to be childlike. Okay. To view the world the way your child views the world. And yes, we do need to give our kids responsibilities. We need to teach them those things. But give them age-appropriate responsibilities and not a ton. Okay, yeah. Like I have a five-year-old. She loves to help set the table. Okay, you can go put the plates down at the table. Yeah. That's great. That's fine and dandy. But am I going to make her mop the floors as well no. and dust and do some laundry and do her homework? Right. No. Because when she gets home from school, she needs some playtime too. Yeah. So if she, if she enjoys setting the table or if she enjoys feeding the dog, okay, I'll let you have those couple of responsibilities. But yeah. Be a five-year-old. What about abandonment? I feel like that's a huge one that pops up. It is. And so abandonment can be from either parent. Not, I know a lot of people specifically think of their dad abandoning them. It can be mom or dad. It could be if you have a sibling that's significantly older than you and they just go to college. Okay. And you feel abandoned by them, even though it's kind of the natural life cycle of things. So oftentimes in those inner child sessions, your inner child tells you that they feel lonely. And then if, as a mom, would you be 
how would that be showing if you're experiencing abandonment how would like a mom would she be overly attached to her child and like not want to separate would she have like extreme fears of her partner leaving her like how yes. how does that kind of show when you're in pregnancy so postpartum you could kind of see it as like an intrusive thought okay so losing people whether that means that their spouse up and leaves them for something or death as morbid as that sounds they are very kind of helicopter parents okay which you know we can all be helicopter parents to a certain degree we do live in a crazy world yeah you know, so it's not like I just take my kids to the trampoline park and I'm like, deuces, I'll come back and get you two hours. No, I'm not going to do that because I don't know who's going to take my child yeah, home. Yeah, You know, so we keep tabs on our kids, yes. But the helicopter parent that won't let anybody help at all. Okay. Without good reason. Let yeah. me throw that little contingency in there. Yeah. Because you may be thinking, okay, I can't trust my family with my child, though. And or, that, Yeah, if, and those are valid. If you're in that yes. kind of extreme... Yeah, it's if you have support and you won't let your support help you because you think, but what if you take my child from me? Or what if something happens to my child under your watch? And I think perfectionism is another big one. Yes. So perfectionism is very type A personality. Yeah. It's also anxiousness. So perfectionism is a way that we try to control the world around us. So you're like, I want my kids' nap schedule perfect. I want them to eat the perfect foods, um, the perfect attire, the perfect yes. um, everything. This, has everything to is going to be a certain way. And you, they almost judge themselves as a mother. But they're highly critical of themselves on how their child behaves, eats, sleeps. Which we just got tossed out of the door. Yeah, that's not a measure of you as a mom. And I'll say this: um, this doesn't necessarily apply to everybody that struggles with that perfectionism. But if you look up Enneagram 1 and the perfectionism... That's me. It's a very extreme version of the Enneagram 1. Because we do have a very harsh inner critic when we are an Enneagram 1. But the difference between that Enneagram 1 and this perfectionistic mom, she probably doesn't look at other people with that harsh eye where an Enneagram 1 does. Okay, so maybe something happened along her child that when she's talking mm -hmm. to her inner child yeah. that she felt she had to be perfect or she felt oh, like... very high standards, very she, high expectations. As it, you know, didn't, wasn't allowed, again, to be that child, to mm -hmm. make those children mistakes. So her letting loose, swinging on a swing set with her kid, giggling... Yeah bubble fights whatever you want yes. to call it is a way to speak to that oh absolutely it's a way for you to connect with that child and say i hear you i know you didn't get the childhood that you really deserved so i'm going to tap into that or i hear you you are loved you are accepted so this is all super intriguing we should do a second episode but to close this out what how do we sum this up so someone's like i want to learn more about this what can they do so I would highly encourage you to go to YouTube and you want to look up Dr. Richard Schwartz. We'll link this. And you want to look up either internal family systems or inner child. He's got some very short um, guided meditations on there. I want to say the one that I did with him, I say with him, like through yeah. YouTube with him, um, was like 18 minutes long. Okay. And so during that time, he's talking to somebody else. So you kind of have to ignore that secondary person. Okay. And then just kind of focus on what he's telling you and walk through that meditation with him. Would this ever bring up something that they need to probably be more with a therapist one-on-one? -on -one? Potentially. Okay. Yeah. 
again, because I never felt like I had a traumatic childhood, so I don't know that I necessarily feel like I need to go to a therapist about all of yeah. these things. But again, it's given me a lot more self-awareness mm-hmm. on some stuff. So it helps me understand, okay, here are some things that as a mom, I can do differently. Yeah. Love that. So, I mean, you don't, if you have an inner child session and something comes up, you can determine if you feel like you need to walk through that with a therapist more deeply. Perfect. And I think to sum up inner child, it's healing. It's addressing our needs that haven't been met as children that show up as adults, and especially in motherhood. We've talked before. Mm -hmm. Motherhood will shine a light on you. Oh, goodness. It's a perfect mirror. And so as, you know, marriage, relationships, but your children will do that. Moms, another thing to kind of just open your mind about. Absolutely. We're here for you as always. Till next time. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Maternal mental health is as important as physical health. The Previan Lions podcast was created for and by moms dealing with postpartum depression and all its variables like anxiety, anger, and even apathy. Hosted by CEO, founder, Sarah Parkhurst, and licensed clinical social worker, Whitney Gay, each episode focuses on specific issues relevant to pregnancy and postpartum. Join us and hear how other moms have overcome mental health challenges, as well as access tips and suggestions on dealing with your own challenges as moms. You can also browse our podcast library and listen to previous episodes at any time. Please know you're not alone on this journey. We're here to help.